All right, all right. I just want to say it is just really, it's so great to be here today, um, just to watch what God has done in this Patterson campus, but beyond that, just through you into the community and to sit here in a room. I remember coming for one of the very first times when this was still a warehouse and there was like a chain link thing right here and this was all racks and stuff. And, and I've been out here numerous times in the remodel and all the different things that were going on, but I haven't been out here on a weekend. And so it's just really good to be here and just see all that God is doing. And know that every single week uh, at our Turlock campus, we're praying for you. We're praying for what God is doing here and praying for how he's moving and inviting you and praying through, you know, through Pastor Jeremy as well. And I just want to say, um, I know you guys know this, but I just want to say it publicly, how much of a blessing and an encouragement and an amazing leader Jeremy is, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Jeremy and I meet several times a week. We're in different meetings, but one of the meetings we have is just the two of us as we walk through kind of praying and planning where messages are going to go. And uh, I've learned so much from him and been influenced so much by him and uh, just his insight and everything. So uh, I just consider it truly an honor um, to serve with you and, and do that. So as we jump in this morning, uh, I know you have your phone out or whatever where you get the note-taking sheet. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to take just a little bit of time. Uh, I know we do this, you know, every once in a while we do it at Turlock. I know you've done it out here in, in Patterson as well. But we do what we call just like a family moment. This would be like you know, at home when, you know, you, you know you, maybe your kids, maybe you did this growing up where you were going to plan a vacation or talk about a family thing going on, and you'd gather around the, the dining room table, and, and you're just, you know, the family huddle would come together. Well, I want this to be a little bit of a family huddle time, uh, because I wanted to share with you today something that's really exciting that is coming, and is specifically for um, this Patterson campus. So in a couple of weeks, Pastor Jeremy is going to enter into a time, uh, it's literally an eight-week sabbatical, and it is for spiritual renewal and refreshment and to encourage him and, and strengthen him in that. And so I wanted to say that up front because sometimes if I go into the explanation, it's like, what's coming, what's coming? He's entering into an eight-week sabbatical, and so we're excited about that. But I want to tell you kind of what it is and what's involved in it and, and why it's so crucial, and, and what it means to you and to this Patterson campus. So about 20 years ago, our New Life Elder Board made a decision to support and deeply care for our pastoral team by giving them a time of sabbatical every five to six, seven years, something like that. And now, you may have heard the word sabbatical before. If you, if you went to college or you know people in the teaching profession, oftentimes, especially at higher levels, teachers or professors will have a time of sabbatical where they will take a semester off or whatever, and they'll write and publish and, and all those kinds of things. And they use that term, sabbatical. But the truth is, is that it's a biblical term. And it comes from the picture of a Sabbath. 
So I know we've taught about this around here, but you know in the 10 Commandments when God says, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, and we know that one day a week, God wants us to step back from all of our normal striving and pushing and all that we do, which is really good, right? To make ends meet and to do our jobs and all those things, to step back and find rest in Him and to worship Him and to know Him. So for some of you, today is your Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath and Sunday are not the same thing. Sabbath literally means to rest. And we know that God did that after his creation of six days. He took a day to rest, and that's what this Sabbath means. Well, sabbatical is basically a string of Sabbaths, an extension of Sabbath for a specified season of time to intentionally enter in and be restored and renewed and refreshed. And so, uh, there's this gift that our church family wants to extend to Jeremy in having this time of sabbatical. I had one a few years ago, and I can tell you it is a special time for God to work in me and to bring kind of restoration and a new breath and restored vision and all those kinds of things because the statistics are are depressing and frightening when you think about those who are in pastoral ministry. You know, the average stay of a pastor in the United States is four years at a particular church. Jeremy has already exceeded the national average by being here a little over five years, almost five and a half years. And so uh, we just, we want to see our pastoral and our ministry team thrive, not just get by or live in places of burnout, because ministry can, can really burn you out. And so the statistics are, again, challenging with that. There was a study that was done these last two years through the pandemic, and the results just came out uh, just a few months ago, and they showed that between 40 and 50% of all pastors are either actively or seriously considered, considering not just changing churches, just getting out of ministry. Because these last two years, and I know it's been hard on everybody, but for those in ministry, it's felt like you're in the middle of a war and you're trying to navigate and make decisions and move forward. And you know what's happened in our culture. And people are just saying, I'm done. I'm done doing that. And so our desire at New Life has always been to support and encourage and to strengthen our leaders and our pastors to prevent burnout. We wanna see them thrive and lead long-term. We wanna see this Patterson campus continue to grow you know, right? One step closer to Jesus. We want to see that happen. And so we want our leaders to lead out of the overflow, not just barely surviving. So starting the end of this month and going through late July, Pastor Jeremy will be stepping back from regular ministry to have this intentional time to connect with the Lord um, to prepare him for the next season of ministry. So I want to clarify a couple of things. It's not a vacation for him. Now, now, he's going to have some time to recreate and step back, and it's going to be all those things, but it's a specific intentional time to set aside, to step back from the busyness and sometimes the all-consuming weight of ministry to reconnect with the Lord. Now, if you remember all through Jesus' ministry, there are times that, remember when Jesus, he would be healing all these people and the crowds would be coming around and it would say Jesus would step away. He would pull away from the crowd and he would go to quiet places. Why? to connect with the Father. And that's what Jeremy is going to do. So it's very intentional. So I wanted you to know that it's not just a vacation, even though there will be times of rest and recreation in that, there's this intentionality about deepening 
uh, our walk as leaders with the Lord so that we can bring that back to you. But there's a couple other things I just want to clarify for you. The first is this. He won't be around this campus during his time of sabbatical, but you may see him around town. Now, you don't have to just, okay, I can't talk to Jeremy because he's on sabbatical. It's not that. He wants you to come and say hi, to give him a hug, and to be praying for him during this time. But what we're going to do is we're going to give him space not to be involved in all of the, the details and the wait during this time of sabbatical, but to step away. So when you see him, encourage him, pray for him, just, you know, chat him up and just have a great conversation. But he's not going to be here during during this time. I also wanted you to know that sabbatical, maybe you've heard people going on a sabbatical and it's like, man, when they came back, it was just like while they were gone, they were looking for another job, they were doing all these things. Sabbatical is not code for Jeremy is looking for another job, okay? <laughs> Jeremy is not going anywhere, right? Okay, we just wanna be clear. <laughs> Jeremy is not going anywhere and we've had this conversation. We're giving him time. Because God has things in store for Patterson and the West Side. And so we want him fully ready for all that God has. I also want you to know that sabbatical is not code for Jeremy did something wrong or that there's any kind of failure in this. This is a gift that we are giving to him and to you. And I'm gonna share that in just a moment. So the other thing you need to know is that everything here is gonna keep moving forward. We're not stopping here for eight weeks. Pastor Tito is going to be speaking numerous times uh, during those eight weeks, as well as some of our team from uh, our, our New Life pastors. And I'll be out here again. Uh, Pastor Tommy will be, Pastor Brett will be out here. There are gonna be others. And you've, if you've been here for a summer, you know we kind of switch things around. So there may be moments you won't even know. It's like, oh, that's right, Jeremy is gone. Because you're gonna hear some different people and it's gonna be great. Every Sunday services are gonna happen here. Ministry is gonna continue. So here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Don't just check out and say, well, Jeremy's gone, so I guess, I guess we don't have to go. This is actually our moment where we lean in and we, we get connected and we stay engaged and we lean in even more. Because even though Jeremy has this time, it's also a time for us it's a time for us to grow in prayer, to grow in trust, to grow in rest, and to grow in keeping our eyes on the ultimate leader of both of our campuses. And by the way, that's not me and it's not Jeremy. Our ultimate leader is Jesus. And so sometimes we have those times of separation. We go, man, I love Jeremy and he's my pastor and he's my shepherd, but I don't ever want to mistake the fact that Jesus is the one that I keep my eyes on. So sabbaticals have a way of kind of resetting this for us as well. You know, it's been amazing to see what God does in our church family, both here and in Turlock as a result of seasons of rest and renewal. And I'm really excited to see what God will lead Jeremy into in this season. And you'll have a chance to live that and experience that as he comes back. I'll tell you, he's gonna come back and you're gonna go, wow, I'm so glad that he was able to get away because there's an increased passion and depth, all those things happen when we step away. You know that. When you step away and you have time with God, and we want Jeremy to have that time as well. So I'm going to ask Jeremy to come on up here, and uh, uh, I still have a short message that I'm going to give you, but um, there you go. I want to pray for Jeremy, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and maybe you've never done this before, but if you've ever prayed for someone, often what we do, the Bible talks about laying on our hands, and we just kind of in 
kind of in connection and in unity, we pray for someone that way. Well, we can't all do that. So as I pray, I'm just gonna ask you to stretch out your hand, just like you were putting it on Jeremy's shoulder, and let's pray for him today. Father, we are so grateful that you love us so deeply. And Lord, I'm so grateful for this Patterson campus. I'm so grateful to to Jeremy and Janet and to the team that's assembled here that serves and gives so fully and with, with so much grace and passion. God, I'm just I'm honored and humbled to be, to be part of this with them. And Lord, I'm so glad that you've invited us into seasons and times of rest and renewal. You, you never asked us just to give until we're, until we're burned out and we can't do any more. We're wiped out and we sacrifice the things that are near and dear to us. But instead, you, you say regularly, I want you to have times to, to reconnect with me and sometimes extended times. And so, Lord, I pray for Jeremy as he enters into this sabbatical that you would just bless him, that you would anoint him, Lord, that there would be there would be encounters with you that he's just never had before as he steps away and quiets down. So I thank you for my friend. I pray your blessing on him. And Lord, I thank you for this campus. And while Jeremy is gone, I pray that you'd continue to, again, work through the team and the staff that's here, Tito and Anna and so many of the volunteers. But Lord, as a church family, that we would keep our eyes on you and we would pray for our leader. And Lord, that we would look forward to what you're gonna do in this next season here at New Life Patterson. So we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. All right. Some of you are thinking, isn't that enough of a message today? Well, I got a little bit more. So we're in this series called Messy Faith, and uh, we've been looking at how Jesus invites us into this daily, moment-by-moment walk with him. Even though, as we know, our journeys are messy, right? They're imperfect, they're unfinished, and not that we just go, well, it, it is what it is, and so I'm gonna be kind of messy and imperfect. No, it, it's that he's inviting us into something more. But the reality is, is that faith has ups and downs, and it's sometimes like a roller coaster, and sometimes, in fact, next week, uh, the message is gonna be on doubt, and sometimes doubts creep in, and sometimes failures creep in. And we're actually gonna look at that today of what happens when we face failure. But here's what you need to know. Jesus is already aware of what's going on within us. He already sees what's kind of behind the curtain and in the deepest parts of our soul. And he doesn't look at us and kind of roll his eyes and be disgruntled with us. Instead, he says, walk with me and trust me and let's do this together. Let's do it with me. And so this encounter we're going to look at today is is a messy encounter that Jesus had with a woman who had repeatedly failed in her life. And I don't know if you've ever had a string of failures um, where just, and and sometimes failures can come on the heels of success, right? You ever had a moment, you know, maybe as a student where it's just like, yes, you know, A, and then you turn in your next paper and it's like D minus, man, what happened, right? Or something on your job, you have a great sale and then you just go through a string of things that are incredibly difficult and hard. So failures and successes, it can all just mix together. Again, it's kind of messy. So recently I've been watching 
Golden State Warriors. I have to have some moment where I bring sports into it. So I've been watching the Golden State Warriors and uh, they have been finishing up this just brutal series they've had with the Memphis Grizzlies, you know. And so now they're going into the Western Conference Finals. Some of you could care less about this. I'm just kind of setting it up for you. Uh, but during this series, they had one of the most lopsided wins they've ever had in postseason. They scored more points. I mean, it was just this blowout. The very next game was the worst game they've ever played in the postseason. I mean, from the high to the low. And this week, as I was kind of emotionally going through this with them, I read this uh, story. Uh, it was on my newsfeed about a high school basketball team in Tennessee. I, I did this for Jeremy. This high school team from Tennessee who was the epitome of failure. They went seven years, their basketball team, without winning a single game. 138 straight losses. Now, when I read that, my first thing was, if I was a school administrator at about year two, I'd go, we're not doing basketball anymore. That's just kind of coming off the list. But they did seven straight years. And I'm telling you, to have seven years of 138 losses and no victories takes a lot of hard work and practice and diligence to lose that bad. I mean, you have to work hard at that. One game, they lost 71 to zero. Can you imagine that? And then one time they almost broke their losing streak. They lost two to nothing. An entire game, two to nothing. It was an incredibly defensive game the whole time. Uh, the crazy thing about that and kind of the dagger to the heart, the only two points that were scored were actually scored by one of their own players putting the ball in the other team's basket. So this is just like, Oh, you know, that, that crushing failure. And the funny thing is, is that we can read those stories and since we didn't have to go through it, right, we can kind of laugh about it and it's just kind of, it's so out there, it's just goofy. But it's not funny when we live through it. It's not funny when failure hits us and when relationships fail or careers go through difficult times or when you feel like at school you just can't get through the semester or, or maybe even at a, at a deeper level when struggles and temptations, possibly even addictions, just seem like one, one long string of just up and down and failure after failure and you just, right, you just wanna give up. Sometimes the failure is obvious and everyone around us can see it. And sometimes it's more subtle, but it's the human experience. And the question really isn't, do you fail? Because every single person in this room, I don't care who you wanna point at, you could go out shopping this afternoon, you could go to the store tomorrow, you can, you know, if you're driving down the freeway to work, whatever, every single person you pass has gone through failure. There's no one that's exempt from this. But what do we do? Do we shut down? Do we fake it and pose and posture like it's no big deal? That's that false part of us that wants to prop up something else. See, it's not so bad. We'll post some stuff on social media. We'll have some really good pictures. We'll smile and everything's good. But inside we know that, man, we still failed. So we can try to live out this image that isn't true. Or maybe there's something healing that God wants to do. Because the failure can often define us. The fear and the shame can often shut us down. But God wants to bring something new, new to light.
And sometimes for us, it's that whatever that failure, whatever that struggle, whatever that is, it tends to, to be on a loop in our mind at times. And when we start taking steps, like there we are, and that voice often the enemy says, who do you think you are? And you're just this, and, and, and we just go through that again. So I have four kids, and they're all adults now, but when they were little, we used to have these things, um, I don't even know if you guys remember them, they were called um, DVDs, do you remember those? Okay. <laughs> I want to stay current, you know, with technology. No, we used to have these, you know, these DVDs. And sometimes our kids, they would have their special, like their favorite DVDs, and they would put them in, and they'd put them on loop, and they'd play over and over and over again. And then when they were, like, bored or done, they would turn off the TV. And, like, a day or two later, we'd come back and turn the TV on, and guess what? The, the, the DVD's still playing. And for some of us, that's our story. We kind of turn off or ignore things for a bit, but the replay of our mistakes and our failure and our inadequacies sometimes just keeps playing again and again, and it makes us feel stuck, right? It's, it's messy. So what does God say to our failure, and what is he inviting us into? Because I believe he wants to meet us right in the middle of our messy places, our messy failures. Not get yourself fixed up, get all that taken care of, get on a new track, and then God's willing to step in. But instead, he moves us and invites us into restoration. And so if you're there in John chapter four, I'm gonna read off and on through this passage. We're gonna start at verse four, but I actually have verses four through 30, so it's a long passage here. But I wanna just tell you the account, and this is a true account of an, of a meeting that Jesus had with this woman. We never know her name, but Jesus was traveling through Samaria and by this little village, uh, and there was a well there that Jacob, all the way back in the Old Testament, had built this, this well. And so Jesus is tired from this walk, and so he sits down, and, and here's this, this woman. And it's really crucial because early on, it says that he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now that's going to be an important point we're going to come back to, but the time of day matters. And so this Samaritan woman comes, and here's just a quick little thing you need to understand. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. There was a whole long history of racial and ethnic and religious conflict that had gone on. So there was a, a ton of discrimination Jews didn't speak to, to Samaritans and Samaritans didn't, didn't speak to Jews. That's why the story of the good Samaritan is such a powerful one because Jesus was telling it to Jews. And they're like, oh, here comes the Samaritan guy. And yet he ends up being the one who's faithful in it. So in the same way, the Samaritan woman comes and Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And the woman is like, not to sound like a movie, but like, are you talking to me? You know, it's kind of one of those. It's like she's taken by surprise. And so she even says this. She goes, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And here's what Jesus says. If you only knew, and, and I think Jesus just says this with, with such honesty and transparency and and truth. He just says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And of course, all she can think of is like liquid having a drink. And so she goes, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. And this well is deep. So where would you get living water? And then she kind of goes off into this little history thing. But Jesus says this, anyone who drinks this water 
this water, is soon gonna be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give, in other words, the life and the nourishment that I have for you will never be thirsty again. It becomes something internal that gives them life. And this woman says, oh, that's what I want. I'll never be thirsty again. Now she's still not getting it yet. She's still thinking liquid refreshment and he's thinking soul refreshment a new beginning, a a chance to be renewed. And so Jesus says, okay, well, go and get your husband. And this is where it starts getting a little tense. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke truth. And the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews? And so she kind of shifts, because who wants to talk about that, right? When someone finally kind of pulls back the curtain and says, well, here's really the truth about your life. They're like, ah, oh, no, let's talk about something else. So she kind of sidelines over some other stuff about history and where they worship. And Jesus says, listen, the time is coming when none of that is gonna matter again, because true worshipers will come in spirit and in truth. And the woman says, you are right, the Messiah is coming. And and when he comes, he'll explain everything. And Jesus says, and this is one of the first times he actually says this publicly, I am the Messiah. And just then the disciples came back, these are the last couple of verses. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water jar, I want you to see this, beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And the people came streaming from the village to see him. Jesus is interacting with a woman who has made huge mistakes repeatedly. And she's living with the weight of this mistake and failure like an anchor in her life. And you may go, well, David, how do you really know that? You know, I mean, how how do you know that she's feeling that? Remember I asked you to kind of think about that noontime thing, the time of day? Because here's how it worked in their culture, carrying water all the way from a well back to your home, which is what you would use for cooking and for washing and for cleaning. I mean, it was, we think about turning our faucet, think about how many times you turn your faucet on during the day, especially in the morning. So what if you didn't have water? So it's, it's the first morning chore. You get dressed, you go get some water, you bring it back. But it was also a little bit social. So people would go, they'd get the water, they'd hang out, hey, how you doing today? What do you have going on? Uh, you know, it was just kind of like the, the, the morning check-in and then back to homes for the rest of the day. When is this woman coming? Noon. Why? Because nobody's there. I'm sure she's tired of the whispers. I'm sure it hasn't even always been whispers. Think about in a community if you've been married five times. What do you think the family of the other four or five are saying about you? Think of how she's been confronted. Now, we don't have any evidence of that other than just the implications, but you just think, Failure after failure, and it's like, I don't want to hear from anyone anymore. I don't want to talk to anyone anymore. I just want to do my business, so I'm just going to go later. And here's this guy. Here's this Jesus sitting there, and he wants a drink. But here's what you need to know. She's a candidate for restoration. She's eligible 
to be made new. She's eligible to be made free. It's available to her, no matter how messy her failures. And some of you may be sitting here going, Dave, if you only knew how badly I've messed things up in my life. There are some failures that nobody sees, but I know them and I walk with them every day. Everyone sees the nice exterior, the false self that I put up, but I walk with the shame and the pain and the damage of my sin and what's been done in me. You are a candidate for restoration. And it's not only possible, it's being held out to you by Jesus. God's grace can do a work in you. So I'm gonna give you just a couple things to write down uh, And just, I want you to hear this today of what God has for you. The first is this. Jesus helps me face my failure. Helps me face my failure. Every time I read this passage, there's a few things that stand out to me. One of them is when Jesus brought up the multiple marriages and the relationships that she were in and how messy that is, there's this part of me that thinks, why didn't she just go, look, I don't even know you, so see you later. Like, Like, why would you still stay there? But she stayed there engaged. And here's what I think. I think she saw in Jesus, not condemnation, but invitation. That there was this glimmer of hope that maybe that didn't have to define her anymore. That it didn't have to just kind of set the tone for her life anymore, but there could be something new. In fact, look at verses 28 and 29. It says, the woman left her water jars beside the well and ran back, ran back to the village. Remember, these are all the people who've whispered about her, gossiped about her, pointed her out, talked about her. She runs back to them and tells everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And I can't help but think there were some people going, well, that's no big deal. We could tell them that too. I mean, like we, we've seen your whole life. Like we've seen all the stuff that you've done. But, but it's kind of like she, she can finally trust someone even though she doesn't know him. There's something about Jesus that is an invitation to look past the failure and give her hope, to give her living water, a new beginning. And if you're gonna start with faith, maybe a new start with faith in your life. Part of the messy journey is being willing to face the shame and the fear because they have an ability to paralyze us, to keep us from trusting, to keep us from growing. It's like, yep, that's, that's been my life. I'm not gonna hide it anymore. I'm not gonna whitewash it anymore. I'm not gonna live with the fear of disapproval or rejection by people. And I'm telling you, people pleasing. I, I know I have that tendency. You maybe do too. To, like, who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to, to get approval of? Or maybe a, an opposite way, whose disapproval do you fear the most? Those have a way of controlling us. And this woman finally just goes, Forget it, I'm going straight back to the people because this guy is different. In Proverbs, Solomon wrote, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord means safety. He says this as well, the fear of human opinion disables you. Trusting in God protects you from all that. There's an incredible protection that God can give us He's asking you to do something greater than you've done before, different than you've done before. And he's not asking you to do it solo, but he's gonna be right there with you to turn around and actually acknowledge 
your past and your failure and your sin and rob those, the past and the failures, rob them of power and instead turn to the one who gives you forgiveness and a new beginning. Leads us to number two, write this down. Jesus offers me grace to start again. One of the great fallacies that people buy into is that people can't change, right? We even have phrases, leopard can't change its spot, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Once a failure, always a failure. See, we even know them, right? We, we know how they work. But here's what's crazy. Do you realize that people of all of creation are really about the only thing that can change? Like I can't make the sun any hotter. I can't make the gravity pull of the moon any hotter. Can't change the direction of the wind. Can't change physics and any of those things. But in Jesus, there's something new that he offers us. And I'm telling you, if that wasn't true, that Jesus went to a cross and made a way for me to be forgiven and washed clean and made new, you think about that, it's like, if that's not true, if that's not possible, why are we even here? We come to worship God because he's the one who offers us life, an invitation to come close. And in this encounter with Jesus, this woman didn't even know how to process this. So she changed the subject, right, to relieve the tension. We talked about that. And she gets into this sparring match with Jesus and Jesus cuts through all the truth of that or, or all the, the mess of that with the truth about relationship, and the woman finally says this, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything. Kind of that thing of one day, right? Don't we all do this? One day, things are gonna be different. One day, I'm gonna wake up and things are gonna change. One day, I'm gonna decide to do X or do Y or do Z. One day, I'm gonna leave all of that behind and we keep going and keep plotting. And that's what she's doing. One day, that Messiah is gonna come. And one day, maybe he can straighten out the messiness of my sin. And then Jesus said this, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. I'm here. Restoration is here. Do you know one of the definitions of this word Messiah is the deliverer, that he delivers us, that he sets us free. And when she realizes this is the one that can change everything, she leaves all of her solutions, all of her fixes, she leaves her, her water jars, all the things she came there to do, all the, the daily stuff of her life, and she runs back to tell people the most amazing news. God's grace means that your tomorrows, I want you to hear this, your tomorrows don't have to be carbon copies of your yesterdays. See, sometimes we think, tomorrow's not gonna be any different than it was last week or last year, that I'm still in the same rut, I'm still in the same stuck place. But God's grace is, is that your tomorrows can be different. And this isn't to see the glass half full. It's not, a, it's not a pep talk for you. All this comes down to Jesus, not me. It's not my strength or my willpower that does it. It means that I can trust in Jesus for new life, for a new beginning. Romans 3 says this, for all have sinned. We could even put it in the context of this today. For all have failed and all fall short of God's standard. Yet now, God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty, and he has done this through Christ Jesus. 
That's so crucial. He didn't do it through our willpower or our, our, you know, we just really, we willed it into being, we fought really hard. It's not that. This is all possible because of Jesus who's freed us by taking away our sin. You ever played with an Etch-a-Sketch? Right, have you ever done those? I'm a master at staircases. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, right? That's what we do. That's the only thing I can draw. You try to draw a circle, it doesn't work, but etches it, you can do this. But you try and try and try, and then what do you do? Turn it over, and you have a new start. And in a really simple way, that's what Jesus has done for us. His last statement on the cross, do you remember what he said? Three words, it is finished. And in Greek, that, it's actually one word, and it literally means paid in full, canceled. And it's actually what merchants would write across a bill. That's the word that he spoke. It's done, paid for, over. He canceled our debt and he paid full for every sin, for every failure in our life. Romans 8 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I read this statement a while back and I love it. Failure is written in pencil but God's grace is written in permanent ink. Write this down for the last one and I'll close. I can receive God's grace. I can receive God's grace. So the previous point was God offers me grace to start again, right? That's the offer. Here's this living water. Here's a chance. Here's a new beginning if you'll come to me. He makes the offer to every single human being. The question is whether we'll receive it or not right? Will I, will I receive that grace or will I push it away and say, nope, I'm going to try to figure this out on my own. I'm going to keep pushing harder and harder. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to do all those things. Or do we receive this grace that he gives? Look what Jesus said again in, in verse 10. If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Here's my guess. Some of you barely made it here to get it today. Some of you are carrying conflict and pain and wounds and disappointment and shame and grief in your life. Some of you are lonely and you feel that happiness has passed you by and you so resonate with the woman in this account. It's just like, I don't want to hear it from anyone else. I just, I just want to be left alone. And maybe you even put a happy smile on it, but inside... It is rough. But God wants to restore you and make you whole. And you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't deserve it. You can't buy it. You can't do a bunch of religious rituals. We receive this free gift of grace. Romans 4, Paul wrote, that's why faith is the key. God's promise is given to us as a free gift. And, and maybe you walked in here today, not even thinking this, but, but maybe in the back of your mind going, it's impossible Nothing's ever going to be any different. But will you receive God's gift of grace if you only knew, if you could only see what he has for you? Now, at the end of this encounter, it says that the, the people streamed from the village and they heard people talk and, and lives got changed and a whole village found freedom because one woman who had walked through so much failure found hope and received grace. But here's the thing, and I'm gonna end with this. When you read through some of the accounts and the events and the stories in the Bible, 
One of the things that's so powerful to me is we get a snapshot, but we don't get a happily ever after Disney moment, right? And then she went back and her relationships were great. And every time she walked into town, the town would sing, here she comes. And it's like, I don't know, but I'm going to go with maybe 100% that that never happened. Right? I'm sure there was lingering messiness in her life. How could there not be? after multiple failed marriages, right? Some of you have walked through that. Do you just snap your fingers and it goes away? No. There are wounds that still need healing. There are times and seasons of doubt and pain. But here's the thing, here's the thing. It was the beginning of a journey with Jesus. Coming to Jesus doesn't make all the consequences of my failures and my past decisions just suddenly disappear. But it's a step into a relationship and a journey with Jesus. See, up until that point, this woman, and for many of us, we're carrying the burden ourselves. We're trying to manage and and kind of survive under the, the guilt and the shame. And Jesus comes along and says, let me take that off your shoulders. In Matthew 11, I'm not gonna read it to you, but Jesus says, walk with me and learn with me these rhythms of grace. Find freedom. And Jesus says this in Matthew 11, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. (sighs) See, we're not doing this for Jesus. We're not trying to earn our way there. He invites us into life with him moment by moment day by day, and someday there will be a completion. Someday there will be the ever after, an end of the story, an eternity made whole and complete. But it starts today, and his grace is more than enough to give you a new beginning. He has living water for you. Would you stand with me? And I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna turn it over to Jeremy. Do we have some team here? Can we be back here? But if at the conclusion of this, if you'd, just, if you'd like to make your way, there's some couches back there. Just if you'd like someone just to pray for you for whatever you're going through, we'd love to be able to do that. But let today be a start of something new. Failure doesn't have to define you. Forgiveness and life, freedom can be your new name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good gift that you give us of life and of hope. Thank you for the living water that you make available to us. Jesus, we are so grateful that you don't leave us sitting there all alone, but you come, you say, oh, if you only knew, you only knew what I have for you, and you invite us to receive your grace. We thank you, and we love you today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say this before we go. In the messiness of the questions of our lives, the four lessons, again, that we can learn are number one, that God is in complete control. Lesson number two, I can come to him in humility. Lesson number three, I can ask him what's really on my heart. And lesson number four, I can trust what he says. Just want to say thank you so much for being here this weekend. Hope you have a great day. Don't forget some of the announcements that we made earlier. If you want to sponsor a kid to go to youth camp, make sure you go see Pastor Tito. If you want to help out with Apricot Fiesta, go see him as well. Uh, If you came prepared to give, we want to say thank you so much uh, for helping move the mission of New Life forward uh, with your with your gift, whether you give online or you give through the app or you give physically. We have giving stations located at our exits. You can drop into that. Also, if you are a guest with us, don't forget the free gift that we have for you. And if you are a lady, we have a cookie for you, all right, that you are not allowed to share, all right, with anybody except for me, all right? Hey, we love you guys. Have a great week. We will see you back here next Sunday. Pastor Dave will be live with us. Thank you.